This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gills-Gilbert, who will be reading the questions. I have prepared enough to know that for this episode of the world-famous PowerCat Podcast. I say world-famous because Scott in in Estonia listens all the time, so it makes us Mm world-famous. World-famous. Yep. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They, too, are world-famous, even though they no longer have their old blockbuster sign. I love The Fridge um, more than almost anything else in the retail business here in Manhattan, Kansas, but the fact that they no longer have their blockbuster sign breaks my heart. It just doesn't, it's not right. It was a sad day when they got a new sign. We're just like, we've moved on, man. Like we forgot our past and that we used to rent movies in that place. They're not going to make that old, old blockbuster subreddit anymore. And it, it ruins my jokes. I mean, Going in there and trying to get Die Hard on VHS just doesn't make any sense now that they've changed the sign. Just doesn't make any sense. But what does make sense is their damn good prices on alcohol and beer. Get into the fridge at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. Segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you stop in every time you're in Aggieville. Although I admit, we stopped into Aggieville today and we didn't go to either one of them. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to Lucha either. I know, I know. If you don't know, uh, our Ryan Gilbert now is a bartender at Taco Lucha. (laughs) (laughs) I like saying it that way. It's just more fun. (laughs) And we ate at a a place that is affiliated with Taco Lucha, but it's got a saloon in its name, and it was delicious. But make sure you stop into Tanner's and the High Low. If, If you haven't been into Tanner's on game day, if you, you know, go down there, there's 11 a.m. game, you want to stick around Manhattan, what a great place to hang out, eat, drink, and beat Larry right there. Uh, well, beat Larry's not right. Uh, be merry at, uh, at Tanner's. I think we're going to Singo tonight. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes. Bo- both of you? You know, actually, it's, it's, it's actually it's pretty smart. You know what 90% of the packed bar at Tanner's is for Singo. And the women are back in town for sorority rush. You guys will be surrounded no by eligible young annoying women. During work week, the sorority girls are not allowed to go out and talk to people at all. I think they can probably go out and have dinner and I go to Singo. We'll find out, drink. I guess. We'll report back to you. 
Well, luckily for you, there's a lot of other girls in this town that will be at Singo because every time I get caught there, I'm like, get me the hell out of here. I love everything about Tanner's except Singo. If you don't know what Singo is, it's bingo with songs. And it's actually kind of fun, but also really annoying because you only hear like little snippets of the songs. Got to have Shazam out. And yeah, you can cheat. On top of all that, cheating's permitted. Man. It's like a swinger marriage. I don't know. I have no idea. I have just cheating's permitted. It just came out. It came. This is a sports podcast. Shall we? We should realign this podcast. We should get going with your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Gills. First question comes from I like pickles cat. Have you heard of anyone that has stepped up since fall camp started? Um. Is yeah. this the part where we have to talk about Timmy Horn? Okay, we're going to talk about the mystery of Timmy Horn. Okay? Everyone is raving about Timmy Horn, defensive tackle transfer from Charlotte. If you go back and look at his career at Charlotte, at Charlotte, maybe Timmy Horn was double teamed and triple teamed and and just taken out of every game, but nothing about his career there jumps off the page. And... And on top of that, if you go see some open practice or he's not running with the ones, he comes in like the second or third wave. And I'm like, is Timmy Horn like the Loch Ness Monster? Like once in a while he'll be spotted and it's fantastic. But other than that, we don't know. He Was that Timmy Horn that stopped by the offensive um, press conference yesterday? It, I, I, I think didn't so. turn around. I think it was. If yes. that's Timmy Horn... That dude is huge. He's a big man, six five three eighteen, according to Charlotte's website from last year. I mean, and I'm, I mean, there's a lot of six five three eighteens on a football team, but Timmy Horn was put together. I mean, he had some guns on him. I'm like, okay. So anyhow, uh, Timmy Horn, that's that's right up there. Um, there's some other guys. I don't. They really aren't specific. They're not throwing out a bunch of names. And you also got to remember this. They're fairly set at a lot of positions. I mean, you could have be a tight end having a great camp, but you're still fourth on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jake Rubley might be tearing it up, but nobody's talking about him because of Skylar Thompson and, and Will Howard. Running backs, I mean, they got into the Giddens kid a little bit. Um, but, I mean, at best, he's fourth on the depth chart, probably farther down. That's the thing that jumps out about this fall practice to me is they're finally beginning to build some depth. And even in the secondary where they had some questions now, we had Van Malone at a press conference on, on Tuesday, and he starts running through the names, and it's like, that's a lot of dudes back on the back end. They're finally kind of building up their numbers. And he liked R.J. Garcia. He mentioned him. Yeah. I think that's the first mention of R.J. Garcia by anybody. There might have been one other. Uh, Skyler. Uh, yeah, Skyler mentioned, mentioned him. Okay. Skyler might have. But. I think R.J. Garcia is the guy who will play, the yeah. freshman who will yep. play. I'm with you. Although they keep dropping hints, and I mentioned this in uh, my Tuesday edition of Afterthoughts. They they mentioned, Courtney Messingham mentioned Sammy Wheeler on film running routes, and they, they were using an example how to run a receiver route, and then they realized, hold on, that's not one of our receivers. They've talked about Deuce Vaughn splitting out to receiver quite a bit, and I'm really legitimately beginning to wonder if they're not going to formation people into total confusion. 
I mean, they should. You you start with two tights and and two tailbacks, and pretty soon you're you're at one tailback and a tight end split out, and a running back split out. You just totally change how they need to defend the play. I think there's going to be a lot of this. I th- I think to keep Deuce Vaughn in the game and get other people touches, he's going to play some receiver. I don't see any way he won't. So I think that's really where I'm going with this. The biggest surprise will probably be in how they use some of this personnel, more more so than who the personnel is. And I do want to add here that Ben Sennett has been someone that has stood out. Kleiman mentioned him. We were hearing maybe he was going to be the starting fullback, and then he got injured. And we're hearing maybe it isn't as bad as first thought, but I think he'll be a guy that is off the radar that will be on the field at some point this season. From Chris66204, what kind of split between rushing and passing will we see early on, and how much does the staff want to see in their perfect game scenario, regardless of the time of season? Well, I mean, you ask any staff that can say 50-50, unless it's Mike Leach, it'll be 95-5. Um, they want to give Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn the football. I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from all of it is yeah 50 percent deuce right. whether he catches it or gets it hand off yeah. and then 50 percent other dudes yeah <laughs> yeah i i think these coaches and judging from what they did at north dakota state north dakota state that um they they might say 50 50 but in reality they want to go two-thirds one-third they want to be hammering you so much with the run that they're just gonna hold on to them, not let you ever get the ball back and that's what great teams do. But I think they are pretty committed to the 50-50 mark, even though I think the running game will outweigh the passing game. I, I think, think it'll, it'll be, be like 60-40. Yeah. Yeah. I think internally, too, they know that the receiver depth is not as good as it should be. And so, yeah, they want to run the ball more than they want to pass the ball, but they have to convey that they're going to throw the ball because – you know that's just kind of that's kind of coach speak, right? I think they want to run the football more than they want to than they want to throw the football. Um, so yeah, I, I think in a perfect game scenario, it's sixty five thirty five running the football. Seriously, I do. I think if K State gets to anywhere close to fifty fifty, that shows how well the wide receivers have played during the season because yeah, yeah. there's so many question marks right. there going in. Right, and you know it's. What's intriguing about it is 50-50 with the throw, this staff is proving that might be more than 50% passes to running backs and tight ends. I mean, the receiver still might be in the minority with the catches. We'll see how it plays out, but they like to spread the ball around through the air, there's no doubt. From KSU, Gene, what are K-State's strengths that other teams will have trouble in planning their strategy? Well, let's start on the offensive side. Tight end. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, about the just yeah. what what is the look going to be? Yeah, the formations. If, yeah, the the per, they're, they're working to be less predictable predictable in personnel groupings, which I have to admit they've gotten themselves into a little bit of a problem with that. Uh, you know, if they put this guy in, they're not going to throw it to him, and they put this guy in, they're going to you know you can kind of tell what they're up to. I think they want to be really flexible in those personnel groupings, and be able to say, "Hey, we're in double tights." Oh, hold on, Sammy Wheeler's now split out, um, and and just kind of mess with things like that. I think they can give Deuce can give defensive coordinators nightmares because we've seen it. We saw Deuce get lined up. What game was that? Where he, get, he lined up in the slot and was on the linebacker. Texas Tech. 
and it was touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you can dictate to a defense that you've got to put a linebacker on a guy like Deuce Vaughn or one of your more athletic tight ends, you're in pretty good shape. You know where the ball's probably going to go. And uh, I think K-State's ability to switch formations with the same personnel will be a big advantage. I think we're going to see a, I think we're going to see some three tight end sets this okay. year. And uh, you know, you you come out in the I formation with Linners and Imadur Bebe and Wheeler and then you do we've seen how many times have we seen the the Chiefs where they they completely shift to a mm-hmm. completely another formation where you can have Imadur Bebe and Wheeler both on the outside lined up as outside receivers matched up with a cornerback or a linebacker um and go back go back to the shotgun with Linners as your single tight end. I think I think the fact that they have three guys that are all unique along the the tight end position they're they're all mismatches, right? Because Leonard's is a big body that is going to be a he's going to be your run guy. He's he he can he can block with the best of the three, in my opinion. Um, but they've talked up Amater Bebe's blocking, and, and if he can do that, then he's going to be really hard to stop. What about defense line? Well, yeah, um, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do with all these defensive ends. I mean, I. And this isn't anything new, but I think they're going to be able to put out a speed rush package that will be as effective as any they've ever had. I really believe that. I mean, you, you move Boom Massey inside. Um, you've got Matlack coming off the edge. You've got Duke coming off the edge. You can do a lot of things with those DNs. You can stand them up. You can move them around. I think they've got something up their sleeve defensively. They, they alluded to this. Skyler mentioned this on Monday when we spoke to him about all the different formations and, and things the defense is installing. And he make, made it sound like we've never seen it before because he had to adjust to it. I'm like, well, what are, you know, I, I think they've got some things they're going to be doing that are a little bit different. They're going to throw some stuff at Stanford that hasn't been on film. And I think, too, with the defense, I mean, this is really the first year that the defensive players have had a chance to to be in a system and learn it. Right. I mean, we were talking about this at lunch. Scotty Hazelton came in when right before the season, right? No, it was January. January. I mean, it was still late. So he was here for was, he was here yeah. for he was here for spring ball then. Right. Yeah, but it was all new. Right. And it was. Then, then they turned the around and year, have Clanderman, yeah. and it's going to be new, and they have all the COVID stuff. Right. So yeah, I, I I just sense the team is really settled right now. I feel like they're in a good place. I feel like the players are confident. The coaches are confident. They feel like they're building the depth. I think this K-State team is going to be okay. Now, maybe I'll be proven wrong on September 4th in Arlington. I think they're going to be a pretty good football team. Now, do they have some depth issues at some serious positions like linebacker? Yeah, they do. Where if they get into injuries at the right spot, it could devastate the whole team because they just don't have enough answers. But they also have good depth at places, too, Agreed. like cornerback. They have ridiculous depth at places. They have depth Kansas State football hasn't seen folks in a really long time. Even quarterback. It's crazy. I mean, from what I've seen of Jaron Lewis, I, I would let him. I yeah. wouldn't flinch if he had to be thrown into a game. He, he Is he as consistent as they want? No, but he throws the ball on a rope. because He's athletic. And they never talk about him. I'm telling you, we we sat around and talked about Sammy Lemure like he was the second coming of of Michael Bishop, and he never got in the game as the third string Wildcat guy. But we might see some stuff this year. We might. 
And I come back to this. Chris Kleiman mentioned trying to redshirt Will Howard. And I'm like, how do you do that? I mean, you got to have someone that goes in the game late. I mean, between your two young quarterbacks and Rubley and Howard, you can get four games apiece. But, I mean, how does that work? Only if Lewis is ready to play. We'll see. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't talk about him, but I just – he hasn't moved positions. Which is interesting. He hasn't, he hasn't transferred. Yeah. And he hasn't transferred. <laughs> so there's got to be something in the works that either he is going to be the the guy that they'll put in late game situations unless they – you know, you don't want to burn all the games for Will Howard. I mean, what if you get late in the season and Skyler does get hurt and you haven't played Will – you played him in three games, and you're like, oh, crap. Now we only got one more game where we burn the red shirt. Why didn't we play him all year? So it's the mathematics of this red shirt rule gets really complex in how you use these guys. Because you could get to the end of the season and say, well, crap, we only played him in two games. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by this team. I'm really, really as interested in this team as I have been in K-State in a long time because I just think they're going to do some things we don't expect. From Pro Dandy, can you explain how the COVID season rules impacted eligibility? Skyler gets another year, but Deuce is listed as a sophomore. Okay. Was the additional year for seniors only? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is what every school's had to handle this on their own. Technically, an underclassman didn't get a bonus year. They got a they've got a card they can put in their back pocket for a bonus year. And K State has decided on their official roster, and I think this is a smart way to do it. I agree. To advance everyone as if COVID didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Why? Because then a recruit looks at it and says, oh, look, all the receivers are like juniors or whatever position it is, instead of being sophomores. Well, when those kids get to their senior year, they can pull that card out of their back pocket and say, hey, I have the COVID year. I want to come back. They're not automatically coming back. They have to actually play the card. That makes sense. And I think advancing everyone's um, eligibility on the official depth chart and the official roster is really smart because some schools haven't. Some schools have left them at their classes last year, and now you got to unwind that on the recruiting trail saying, well, I know they're listed as a sophomore, but they're really – just list them as a junior. Just worry about it when they're a senior and have them come back for another senior year. It's not like in three years we're all going to go, I don't remember that COVID year. What happened that year? I mean, it'll all still be new to us when they get to that point. Next year, we'll help. At the end of this season, there'll probably be some seniors that say, yeah, I wouldn't mind coming back. Now, the difference is, is this year, those seniors didn't count towards your 85. In the future, they will. See, and that's, I'm of the belief that I think this is going to impact transfers more than anything. Um, A kid is going to go through their four years at K-State, and if they didn't redshirt, say, okay, well, I have another year left that I can go play somewhere. It's going to be kind of like a grad transfer thing. Or if they redshirt their first year and they're on campus for four years, they get their degree. Well, instead of having one year to go play somewhere, they can have two years to go play somewhere. I think that's how this is going to shape up as we move along. Um, that's just – I think it makes the most sense because, I mean, really with the with the younger you know, the younger classes, I don't think the coaches anticipate them staying for more than four years. I don't know how you could. So, yeah, I mean, that's the rule is I think K-State's doing it the right way. And like we saw just after the last season, guys like Harry Trotter didn't want to play another year. You know, he's doing real estate in Kansas City, right? 
yeah. or so, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You know, he just he wanted to, a lot of these guys. They're going to play their senior year. And that's how K-State's progressing everything. And they're going to want to move on because they're ready for their careers. So I think that that's, it's the smart move. And if you want to come back, you get a bonus here. And you'll just be called a senior again instead of trying to say, hey, you're actually a sophomore again. But right. Like Fitz said, that card in your back pocket has to be accepted by the coaches or K-State, whoever it may be. Right. right. You, can, you can say, I want to come back. And they can say, well, we don't have a scholarship for you, right. which is true of anyone. <clears throat> you, know, you essentially pull their scholarship. That becomes very fascinating to see who they would do that to. But, again, Cole's right. There'll probably just be guys that are transferring that will play two years at their new school instead of one. I'm, I feel bad for high school players right now because the opportunities are going to be notably less over the next three, four years. They just will. As these players go ahead and use their COVID extra eligibility, even if it's three players per team – I mean, that's 30 less scholarships being handed out in the Big 12. And then you get into the transfer portal, which is kind of a shuffling of parts. Guys leave, guys come back. I mean, you kind of end, but not always. I mean, Chris Kleiman said they want like to use like 10. Just look at this roster this year. Need help at defense tackle? Here's Timmy Horn. Need, need help at corner? Here's a guy. Here's safety. Here's Prince. Here you go. Here's another guy. Got Need another backup linebacker? Here's a guy that won't play. <laughs> Looks good walking through the airport. I, you know, I, I think they just know that the transfer portal gives them something more concrete upon which to recruit. Mm-hmm. They, they can know exactly what they're doing. I think it's a smart plan, but I feel bad for the high school kids. I mean, if K-State's only going to hand out 15 high school scholarships, that's 10 less opportunities. And two or three of them might be Kansas kids. It's just the reality of, of this time period now, and it's just unfortunate that this generation – it's, it's they're getting kicked in the you know what twice. They're losing high school football games to COVID, and then they're losing their opportunity to play college football to COVID. It's crazy. It's 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 an unfortunate circumstance. Next question comes from Kned. The phrase of the summer appears to be "body by true." Did he do a better job of getting players to take ownership? Was concerns about flexibility and decreasing injury the reason for the switch? And is injury rate something we should measure? I just think it was a cultural difference. Chris Dawson is a hell of a strength coach. In case they won a lot of football games based on his work there. But I do agree that maybe this new staff wanted some different things. I know with offensive linemen, they want them to be able to get out and run and move around. But I also think there was just a cultural difference. Chris Dawson is still carrying that old school drill sergeant mentality. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to scream at you. It's conditioning isn't fun. You're going to hate it. I'm going to make your life miserable. Okay. But it's, it strikes me that Coach True's come in and guys are enjoying it more. Doesn't mean they're working less, but maybe he's building it into more competitive environments, which I think is a really good way to do conditioning. Uh, I don't know. Uh, all I know is he's not going to get me to lift anything. <laughs> A beer bottle. You give me to lift a beer bottle. Um, here's a trivia question for you. Oh. Tremaine's son, his name is Deuce. Well, how many Deuces can one program have? So, so that is technically four Deuces with True Junior. I think you. Well, I think what you meant to say was that's quad Deuces. <laughs> 
Daniel Green. Mm-hmm. Sincere Mason, whose name on Twitter is Deuce. I don't know if he goes by that, but his name on Twitter is Deuce. What well, if and your name's Sincere? Why the hell do you need a nickname? Because <laughs> he's the second one named Sincere, probably. Oh. Sincerely. That's what they should have named him. <laughs> they shouldn't have had Sincere Jr. Should have just named him Sincere and then his middle name's Lee. Here we go. Solving family problems right here on the PowerCat podcast. To, to answer Kaned's question, oh, though. yeah. We should do that. Yeah. we. Eh, I don't think so. He has – He has. you look at his his resume. I mean, it's pretty impressive. SMU, Arkansas, South Florida in the past four or five years, right? I, I don't know. I feel like an SEC no. school. Mm. It's Arkansas, though. <laughs> he brings Two some experience. And then Arkansas. He brings some experience eh. in, in – I don't know. I think you have to look at it as the type of kids he's working with as opposed to maybe necessarily where the school's at. The type of kids that come into SMU, the kids from the Dallas area, the type of kids that go to Arkansas from SEC country, the type of kids he's used to working with as opposed to the type of kids that K-State is trying to bring in. I mean, there's pretty different dynamics at each of those schools, right? So I think you get somebody who has been around – those type of kids, different types of kids from all walks of life, it's only going to help your program. Last question of the first half comes from Contra Cat. Going off of this a little bit more, was it really time for a change in strength and conditioning, Coach? What was the barrier that may have seen some stagnation or plateauing? plateauing? And Zach is staring at me. He's never seen that word before. Mm. It's been a long day, y'all. <laughs> been a long day Mm. my car ac doesn't work i had a four-hour drive back home for my grandma's tired okay well good we'll let you off okay (laughs) thanks from the long drive from the plateaus of western kansas (laughs) um i look i i don't know the inner workings enough to say that there was an incident there was a time there was a period i just think there was a collision of cultural ideas and um yeah, like Chris Kleiman is a player's coach. Right. Chris Dawson is not a player's strength coach. No. And I think that's And I don't the have a problem with that. But if your boss does, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And he's a hell of a strength coach. He's a hell of a coach. He's proven his mettle. I mean, we all talk about the incredible run Kansas had under Mark Mangino. Well, Chris Dawson was the strength coach. And when they made the mistake of getting rid of Mangino, they fired Chris Dawson, and Bill Snyder snapped him up. So I have no I have no problem with Chris Dawson as a strength coach, but I do think probably it was just a, a difference of ideas and how you want to run your program. And he found some place that maybe fits him better. So onward you go, and that's just how life works. Sometimes you're not doing anything wrong as an employee – but your boss doesn't like you. <laughs> Just stared at Zach for no reason. <laughs> Back to Kenad's question a little bit about the injury rate. I think that it should be taken into account a little bit, but it shouldn't be the hundred percent blame. You know, if guys are getting injured, you know, there should certainly be some of the blame. I don't know if it's fifty percent, but there's some sort of formula that it probably goes into it. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, injury, you know not fluke things like ACL tears or, you know, whatever else from impacts, but it'll be interesting to see if, if the injury rate of just things happening goes down. And I don't know enough about the human body to understand if, if you can really do 
exercises and his flexibility that'll cut down on knees and ankles and those type of things. But the biggest thing that goes on in football now are concussions, and that has nothing to do with strength coach. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's the biggest deterrent right now to guys playing is they get they get their bell rang. If you were playing back in Marcus Watts's day, he'd play an entire half and not know what the hell went on. He just played. I mean, guys used to play through that, and we've now learned you know, that's just a horrible thing to do. We didn't realize it at the time. It was being tough, but now we know. We know better. And I, I, f- I find it hard to believe that um, at the Division One Power Five level, there's bad strength coaches as far as technique-wise, as far as you know, giving you plans, that kind of thing, right? They're there for a reason. Sure, that's why you want to try and find the right fit for your program. But as far as knowledge goes, that's that that is how you measure the quote unquote injury rate. If if you're teaching somebody how to lift improperly, if you're giving them the wrong exercises to do, then yeah, they're going to get hurt. It's going to translate on the field. But these guys know what they're doing. So, I don't think the injury rate has any impact on the job that Tremaine Carroll is doing. That's just from you know everything that I've when I've what I've been around with football when high school whatever. If you're teaching somebody how to do something wrong, then that is how they get hurt. They don't get hurt from anything. I don't else. think it's about the technique and getting hurt while you're lifting. It's about you know building that the translating to the football field. It. Yeah. Correct. That's what I mean. Yeah. That will do it for the first half of the PowerCat Questions podcast. We'll be back on the other half with more of your questions from Wildbass Station. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you support local business whenever you come to Manhattan. We hope we see you a whole bunch this football season. Boy, people need to come to games. It's just so important. I, I like it. I'm now seeing this shift on Twitter where people are like, well, I was bad about the game going to Arlington, so I'm not going to go. And now they're like, I think I'm going to go. Because, one, you want to see your team. Two, it's it's a drive that we all make. At some point, we all wander into Texas to go do stuff. So it's not like you're going to Montana or someplace far flung. We're used to the drive. It's an easy drive. You just stay on the one road and you get caught in Oklahoma City. And you curse Oklahoma drivers and you head on down. You go past the world's biggest casino. And next thing you know, you're 
in Texas at a uh, outlet stores. A bad one. A bad one. It's pretty much the whole trip right there. But people are coming around like, I'm going to go. Because now they have motivation. Now they're like, not only is it motivation the football season is coming, but it's important to look good as a fan base. Oh, did you see K-State? They had like 40,000 fans. Maybe they should be included. Did you just advocate for Montana expansion? Mm. Mm-hmm. That'll be a fun driving winner. The Grizz. The Big Sky 12. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, can you imagine those road trips? Do you have air service? What's that? I'm sorry. You can fly to Missoula. I know. I, I apologize to all of our Montana listeners and all the bears. And bobcats. And mountain lions. I don't want to go. It scares me. It scares me. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting season, and I hope fans all flock to Manhattan and have a good time and put a good product on the field. Got to win some football games this year, boys. Got to win some football games. Be good time to have a good time with football season. We got more questions? Yes, should sure. We, should we do those questions now? Do the questions, Gills. Should we, should we read those questions? It's up to you, boss. Okay, let's do it. Ryan Gilbert with your questions from Wabash Station. First question of the second half comes from Wildcatter, new uh, new member to the site, so welcome to the podcast. It's been around a few months, but yeah, okay. welcome. Uh, I mean, I'm blaming you for this one. You you put new welcome on there. So, hold I mean, on. New, is, new, I should have said, yeah, new to the podcast, but... Is he a K-State yeah. fan, or is he like a, a 19th Arizona? century oil guy, a Wildcatter? Isn't that what they were? Uh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on since I don't want to explain that. Anywho, <laughs> do the Cats have a better shot at beating Oklahoma or Iowa State this year? For oh. some reason, I feel like there will be a lot more hype around OU, even though Iowa State is in the top ten. I think they're going to beat Iowa State. I do. I just have a feeling they're going to beat Iowa State. I think everyone in that locker room remembers the beatdown they took in Ames, how they were shorthanded. They probably shouldn't played the game. They went ahead and played it in Iowa State was a really good football team. There's no doubt about it. But that on that day, it, those two programs aren't that far apart. And that's like the only Iowa State game in the last however many years that K-State has lost thoroughly. Like, they deserve to lose. Yeah. Like, even 18, they should have won that game, and they just gave it away in the fourth quarter. But probably... Probably since, what, 04 when they came into Manhattan and scored 28 points in the fourth quarter? What was the last time I think K-State... 17 when Iowa State fumbled twice in the last, like, minute? Oh, Iowa State should have won that one, huh? Uh, Oh, they 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 had it won. They kneel on the ball. They win. Yep. That game got Paul Rhodes fired. That that game game ushered in the Matt Campbell era. I mean, and it ruined... What was the running back's name? Because he was a stud, and he was trying to get him more yardage or something. Montgomery? No. Before I can't think because he was a stud and Will Geary ruined him. I mean, he literally ripped his arm out of socket to take the ball away. Now that's not like me saying he literally separated the guy's arm out to get the ball out and that caused the fumble, they scored, and then they got the ball right back and won. It was crazy. So I, I'm of the opinion that K-State will win one of these two games. I I think it's going to be Iowa State. And as much as I want K-State to beat Oklahoma, when was the last team that beat Oklahoma three years in a row in in big conference play? I don't know. You got to go to the 90s. Yeah, you got to go back to when Bill Snyder built it up. 
stepped over the top of Oklahoma because they were down. Could it have been Oklahoma? Could it have been Kansas State? It, it's worth looking into. Yeah. So that's hard to do, but you're right. I mean, K State and Iowa State are not that far apart. So I think more realistically, K State beats Iowa State. Although, could you imagine if K State beat Oklahoma again at home this year? I mean, that would just be hysterical. It would be insane. Yeah, I don't think it's going to matter because OU will be in the playoff, like there always are. K State beating OU does not matter in the grand scheme of college football, apparently. Well, and here, here's here's the thing, too, guys. I mean, if your expectations for K State football are eight and four, then you really don't need to win either one of those games right. to to have a good season. But if you think K State can be better than eight and four, you can afford to lose to Oklahoma because. As long as you're one of the top two teams in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten, in the top ten, you're not in the Big Ten. Nobody in the Big Twelve is going to the Big Ten, by the way. If you're, as long as you're one of the top two team, top two teams in the top ten, then you're going to have a shot at a rematch. So, I mean, it depends on where your expectations are for K State, but I'm with you that I think they, Iowa State's more winnable. The sad truth of it is, if Kansas State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma all went eleven and one. And Oklahoma was the team that got left out via tiebreaker somehow out of the conference championship. <laughs> they would put Oklahoma in mm-hmm. over the conference champion. They would. I have no doubt in my mind they would. Oh, you beat Oklahoma earlier this year, but then you lost the conference championship, so you're eliminated. And Iowa State, I know you just won the conference championship, but you lost Oklahoma earlier in the year. You're out too. That's how it's going to work. That's what they would do. They've just ruined college football when they should have been improving it with the playoff. And now they're trying to slow down the playoff. What courts are trying to SEC wants to slow down the playoff? They're they're living high in the hog. Why do they want to invite more people in? Oh, well. K-State's going to beat Iowa State. Write that down, everyone. Write that down. It'll be a three-point game again. We'll get back to the close games. But. <laughs> block an extra point, recover a fumble, throw a touchdown on the last play of the game. That had to feel really good to Iowa State last year. Because K-State just torments the shit out of them. (laughs) Excuse my language. There's no way I'm taking that out. Just torments them. That game was so weird last year because there was nobody in the stands. Yeah. I think it it was easily the weirdest game of the year last year. It just didn't feel like football should have been played that day. Hmm. It was cloudy, kind of rainy, no fans. From K-State's perspective, football was not played that day. That is that is also correct. From Woody Shade Dog, with schools already using NIL to pay the equivalent money of a scholarship to walk-ons, the potential for top programs to stockpile talent is more worrisome to me than conference realignment. I have nightmares about the 60s when OU's travel squad was in the 100s and looked twice as large as K-State's home squad. Do you concur? No, I don't. And here's the thing is what happened with BYU is an anomaly because their tuition costs are so low. Most companies won't be able to make that calculation. This company could. I mean, I think there's a cultural thing there, too. Yeah. That it's probably a a Mormon-owned company. And by supporting BYU and the fact that the scholarship amounts are so low, I didn't realize BYU that it must be supplemented by the church that out-of-state tuition is less than $7,000 in-state a year. 
Uh, instant. I mean, it's a private school, so I don't think. Th- is there any difference between in-state, out-of-state for BYU? There probably shouldn't be. It's probably church would, member or non-church bet, member. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. It's probably five thousand seven hundred ninety dollars for out-of-state tuition. Yeah, I think that was in the last number post was like sixteen. Nineteen twenty is what it says. Oh, um, so yeah, I mean, it's if if you add up the twenty scholarships, and and I don't think it's all walk-ons. There's no way they're, he's paying the tuition of all the walk-ons. He's paying the preferred walk-ons. Right. I mean, there's you have a 105-person limit on your actual roster that can show up before school starts. And then once school starts, everyone else can show up. So that gives you 25, 20 guys that are preferred walk-ons if you're at 85. You might have 25 and 80. but So you do the math. It, it is a sustainable number to do that. That's not going to happen. I mean, K-State's... Tuition now is what twenty fourth k a year. It's crazy, guys. It's crazy how expensive it is. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that's just tuition costs. That's not what a scholarship is totally about. There's a lot more that goes into getting a scholarship, including training table and other things that that get heaped on top. So it's great. It's awesome. It's cool. It's troubling. It really is troubling. But I don't think this is something we're going to see widespread. I'm more troubled by. A quarterback who's never started a game has a million dollars in his pocket already. Well, that, that that doesn't make. There's no way for me to justify as a business person how that makes financial sense. The way the BYU thing is, that money's coming in at the bottom. So the players that are getting paid, they aren't superstars by any means. The way I see this trickling down is, let's say at K State, Skylar Thompson, Deuce Vaughn, somebody pays them. You know, a million dollars each, some stupid number. And let's say Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn go to coach and say, hey, take me off scholarship. I'll pay for everything because I'm making plenty of money. Here's freeze up our scholarships. Go give that to guys to make us better because I can afford it. You know, that's where I see things potentially trickling down is if someone of, of a high value decides, hey, I can make the team better by just paying my own way because this is an absurd amount of money for me to make for for putting my name on a T-shirt or something. I think you know? we're I think we're a ways off from that. I mean, I, I think you're right. right. I'm just I'm just saying that's the only scenario where I see a problem with the whole NIL thing. I, and I, I think guess, where it becomes where yeah. it becomes if we're going to talk about stockpiling stockpiling talent, it's going to be up to the players themselves. And when it comes up to the players themselves, kind of fair play to them. I think if you can, if you're able to market yourself and say, Hey, I want to make the team better. Why not? Well, let's clarify this from the question. Read me that first part of that question again, Gills. The school's already using NIL to pay. Schools aren't using NIL. That's the premise of that question. That's a violation. If the school is in any way involved in the arrangement of this financially, they have committed a very serious NCAA violation. This is between the entity and the student-athletes, period. I would even say that BYU doing what they did to promote it, because Mm -hmm. they they look like they had it at a team function, Mm -hmm. that might have crossed the line. The NCAA might step in and say, hold on. You are now promoting this product because they're paying your players, and this this gets into this. This is where all the gray areas that the NCAA completely mismanaged the situation by putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, because they were going to win a court case they were never going to win. 
they needed to allow for more clarity. The school cannot be involved in any way in the promotion of these products between student athlete and player and company. And BYU clearly was. They clearly had it at a team event, rolled it out, logos everywhere. Well, the only thing that, at least reading guidance from all these, you know, these third parties that they, you know, like Open Doors or whoever who puts these, you know, kind of platforms together to to let these student athletes get deals like this, you have to license logos. If Skylar Thompson wanted to advertise something and if they wanted him to be in a K-State jersey or whatever, they would have to license that through the athletic department separately. Right. So the only thing I can think of is that BYU for this company, I don't even know what the company's called, but they must be an official partner and signed off on, hey, you can use the logos or whatever. And some schools are kind of smart about this saying, hey, if you're going to you know, pay our student athletes for their name, image, likeness, we might as well put them in you know, their team gear and put, put our logos out there so they know who they're with. Zach, do you, uh, this is an important question. It's been bothering me a long time. Do you think there was some guy just like me at Open Doors that didn't type in the right URL when he reserved it? Like he, he it was supposed to be Open Doors? Yeah. And he typed in Doors? I, I got it. You. I got it. And then he looked back. Oh, crap. How do I tell the boss I misspelled doors? I feel like doors is some sort of Greek or Latin root that it refers to something. Scandinavian Viking to me. <laughs> but I don't know why it would be open. I have no idea. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move I on. will say real quick, though, okay, with, with regards to the question and how stockpiling talent, I'm not concerned about money and, and all that NIL stuff at all. If you want to play and you're a really good you know, player who has a lot of talent, you're not going to go and be a backup just because you got money. You know, you want to play, and you're going to play. doesn't care. It doesn't matter how much money you're going to get. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. From KNED, is Kansas State basically in a paralyzed state, in, including making even the most basic of positive steps forward until a new president is in place? No. No, I mean, they still have a president. I mean, he's still involved in things as best we can tell. They're still fundraising. They're still building stuff. They can't stop. They have to keep going forward. They have to show that they've got momentum and then hope that the wins on the field and the basketball court come. I mean, they, they can't stop building their, their new facilities. They need to get that indoor facility built, the new practice fields built, because that's hanging up everything else. I think it's the opposite, actually. I think we might see them reverse course on where to locate that thing because now by moving it across the street you've got hung up into university politics about what do we do with this i think the east parking lot might be back in play which i don't like don't get me wrong but they don't need permission from anyone to do that i i cannot remember i think it's in the media guide i don't know if you guys have had a chance to look through that but they have a photo like a projected you know, a little cartoon drawing of the new practice facility, and it is in the parking lot. Right. That's yeah, that's still – yeah, that's been, So I think yeah. that's still the plan as of now. Well, there was the new graphic right. from six months ago that showed it being moved north of Kimball. Uh, yeah. but, they're telling donors but, it's going to be across the street. They, I mean, that the plan right now is moved across the street. But you've noticed now Gene said it's gone from two years out to four or five years out because of the politics. they got to they got to relocate things across the street. they got to do this. they got to do that. I think they might just say, we can't wait. 
We can't. We cannot wait. I would almost prefer then they they as a compromise they get the little grass lot that belongs to um, agronomy. Agro- no, the to wreck. Mm. The wreck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they pave that, and they maybe put up a small garage in the east lot. What they should do is, if they are gonna, if they do want to build it across the street, they should build the new grass practice field and just put a bubble up because a bubble would be better than what they've got. Mm-hmm. As sad as it is, mm-hmm. just put a bubble up. But well, we talked about this the other day, and this isn't really important, but just a half a mile of businesses up north of the stadium would make a big difference because, in my opinion, it's just so weird how the stadium is like the edge of town. Mm-hmm. You know. You go north and you're done. You're 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 out of town. So, half mile businesses with the fact with the practice facility, I think that would really help the school a lot. I I would agree that develop that whole corridor, and yeah. I think maybe that's what's in the works. Is you know because they're talking about the cat condominiums having condos across from Veneer Complex, on top you know beside having the football facilities, and maybe where the foundation is they. They keep bringing that up the street into more businesses. I, I just think with the urgency going on right now with realignment, they can't wait four years to break ground on a new practice facility. They cannot. They need to get that sucker going and and show that, hey, we're moving forward here as a Power 5 school. Again, uh, I don't care what people out there, some Joe Schmo says on, on YouTube or on a message board, they are not going to be able to take away Power 5 status from the Big 12 if the Big 12 continues to exist with new members. They're not going to be – they will not be able to take that away unless there's something in there that says you can get voted out of the club. I don't know how legally it will stand up. So I just don't see anything else here than K-State needs to forge ahead with everything they've got on the table, maybe speed it up. Uh, that comes down to so much fundraising, and and the donors have been so generous. And this conference needs to quit bitching and whining and being scared and start making plans for a future. Just keep moving into the future. From Salt Hawk Cat, do you think the uncertainty of where K State might fall in realignment will hurt recruiting? No, I mean, it, you might. Well, let's just say it. How's it going to hurt recruiting? Recruiting sucks right now. As a, as, a, as a totality, it's not where it needs to be. They're getting beat on a lot of kids, and they're getting beat on kids in the state of Kansas. How's it going to hurt recruiting? And if you look at the rankings, there's a group of five teams above them in the rankings. Right. So it they got to get better in the first place. Maybe it's going to help recruiting. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, I mean, all the coaches, I mean— Chris Kleiman said it at his introductory press conference. K-State's going to play Power 5 football. Van Malone said did, uh, yesterday whenever uh, he, he met with the media that K-State will be at the highest level no matter where that is. I agree. Football they is They don't football. know that, though. That's just coach speak, you know? I, I know that's what the show I think they is. fully believe it, though. I, I, I don't, well, they, of course I don't see any it. way that it won't be that way. I'm not saying it's they're going to well, go group I, that's, five. That's but. overstating it. I think it's highly unlikely Kansas State will not be a Power 5 school when this all shakes out. Because Power 5 is not a real thing, guys. It's based on TV contracts, and you just can't take it away from them. I mean, the Big East collapsed. 
That's what ESPN wants to happen to the Big 12. That was their goal. I truly believe that. They wanted to collapse the conference. And I think this new alliance thing that we're seeing from the Big 10, Pac-12, ACC is also an effort to do that. If you if you kick people out of the party, there's more drinks for you. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's really getting to be hostile out there, which is exactly why the Big 12 needs to get off its ass and start doing something. And I don't trust that this leadership will do that. He had one day of being <laughs> a badass, and now he's back to... I just I imagine Bob Bowlesby just sitting in his office, just, just pouring out a glass of... Of whiskey, you know, pouring a glass of whiskey and drinking it and just sending off all these emails to people and then just sitting back and kicking his feet up on his desk. And then he just wakes up the next day and is like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I I don't know, man. I, I'm i not. I'm, I, just, I, I, I think that everybody is trying to consolidate to 64 teams, four conferences of 16 each. I think that that's the end goal. And there's probably about 70 worthy teams, maybe 72. All right that should probably have a seat at the table. But along comes the SEC, and I, they're not stopping at this 16. They're, there's no way. This is ESPN's baby. This is going to be the ESPN conference. It will be. This is going to be every game day will be in the SEC, everything. <laughs> Watch this season. Watch. They'll, they'll pull out a college game day for Michigan, Ohio State, or someone like that. But there's going to be no borderline games. They're not going to be going to Fargo. They're not going to go to a historically black college. They're going to be in the SEC. They'd go to a Vanderbilt game before they do any of that. They have no interest in Iowa, Iowa State, which should be a great football game. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they probably want to be at an SEC school. Just watch them this week or this year. Watch them. Back to the question, though, I, I, if you're a Texas recruit, you know, that's a, an area K-State's trying to hit. You could go to Texas or Texas A&M, and you, you know you're safe in the best conference in college right. football. But how many, I, of those, how many of those Big kids can vulnerable. play there? How many of those kids can play there? That's the other thing. Well, that's the thing. is I mean, It doesn't how, change the slots. There's still X amount of Power 5 or even Division 1 mm -hmm. slots to play football. How many people with Texas offers and K-State offers are there that overlap that they could legitimately okay. – act on and commit upon an, an offer. I don't see that K-State's losing a lot of kids to other Power 5 schools. Exactly. exactly. I'm not saying that they're not getting Power 5 level recruits. SEC schools, I think, is more accurate. Because right. we've seen them beat out some Big Ten schools. They're not going to beat out, a, more more times than not, they're not going to beat out a kid who's going to go to Ole Miss and then K-State swoops in and steals them last second. So, yeah, I don't think they steal recruits from Oklahoma or Texas in the first place. True. So... I can't see how this hurts them at all in recruiting. Now, maybe good points. Good maybe points. they're coming down to a, a kid from Houston who has a Houston offer, a Kansas State offer, and a Iowa State offer, and he decides to stay at Houston because they convince him the other two schools won't be Power Five either. Maybe that happens, but for now, I, I don't see how it's going to impact recruiting at all. My bigger concern isn't about how it impacts recruiting. My bigger concern is. Why isn't recruiting at a higher level? And again, they need to win more football games. Last questions come from Imarica. We'll go one by one here. What are the odds K State remains Power Five? Ninety percent. I That's, truly believe yeah. that. Yep. Sure. I was going to go with that. And the ten percent is the Big Twelve collapses, and 
you know, West Virginia gets the ACC bid, Iowa State and KU get the Big Ten bid, and off, and everything just shatters at that point. That's that's the only ten. That's the ten percent. I don't even know it's that high. I don't think Iowa State and KU are getting in the Big Ten, and if they are, it's not anytime soon. I think the Big Ten's going to try taking other schools. Absolutely. I think. I don't think that the Big 12 is the only conference that can be poached. I think the ACC is poachable. I think, I think the Pac-12 is poachable. Very poachable. Quite frankly, I think that there's some probably some SEC schools that if they were given an offer to join a different conference, they'd at least consider it. Mm-hmm. I think that if Vanderbilt was offered by anybody, they'd probably be like, yeah, we might be able to win some games and somewhere else and not be in the SEC. I can't imagine. I could see being, South Carolina join the ACC. I mean, just anything like that. If the money's equivalent, how much money does it take for you to give up your dignity? Because that's where Vanderbilt's at. Oh, yeah, we get our ass kicked all the time, but we get a lot of money for it. <laughs> I got a word for that. That what makes you. But if you're Mississippi State or Arkansas, always jumps out at me. Now, they feel like the new coach is going to get them going, and maybe you will, but that's not what the history's been for Arkansas since they left the Southwest Conference. They were an integral part of a respected conference, which it was. They left for the SEC. They're in the strongest conference, and they're not winning football games. Now, how is that good for your university? I know the money's good. I get that. But how is having a losing conference record every season good for your fan base and your donors? It takes the wind out of your sails. I just don't see how this can be maintained. If you want to really build a 32-team super conference and the likes of Vanderbilt are going to be in it, are they really going to – is it worth the money to be over every year? And once in a while, you get the right coach, the right players, and I don't don't understand the dynamic here. Anyhow, I think Kansas State will stay at the Power 5. I think all of these schools, with maybe the exception of Baylor, will stay at the Power Five. Or if the Big Twelve comes apart, West Virginia doesn't. If they don't have the ACC bid, they're not going anywhere. That's the only place they can go. Mm-hmm. The SEC doesn't want them, and they don't have the academics for the Big Ten. And the reason West Virginia got left out last time and were available to the Big Twelve is the academics. For whatever reason, we're talking about a school that has uh, a med and law. I believe they have mm-hmm. law. I know they have med. It's right Sorry. across West Virginia. Yeah, they have a law school. That's where you park for football games. And Yeah, that's right. And it's the weirdest looking building. It's I would never... strange. And then you have to walk all the way down the hill or down these giant steps. And yet they're not respected at all academically. So Cultural bias. Well, you know, there is something there. There, there is. But when people say, well, academics don't have anything to do with Look, academics have a lot to do with this. They shouldn't. They probably shouldn't. But they do because it's the chancellors and presidents who make the picks. And based on that, I think the work that John Weefall did with Kansas State academically and helping them advance their cause, and then Kirk Schultz picked it up with research, is going to save the day. And Embath will play a, play a big part in that. And not to interrupt the questions here, but we've never addressed it on the podcast. If the Big 12 collapses... Do you think that any schools consider staying independent? 
versus joining a conference. Like of the eight? Yeah. Nah. If it's that's so tough. I just feel like because that's part of Notre Dame. That's that's like that's who they are. It would have to be established. But you know? UConn just went independent. Now, granted, they're UConn. Well, they have no other choice. They didn't really have much of a choice. But it would have to be a religious affiliated school. I don't right. But, I would think yeah. Baylor or TCU would be Might the only be true. Two. Huh? But the thing about UConn is that gets back to my previous question. They wanted to be back in the Big East playing their rivals. Back to what's familiar instead of just being in a conference where the people didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Their fans were divesting themselves from being involved in the, the school because basketball didn't mean anything to them. Why do they persist with footballs beyond me? Just drop the damn thing. They should just go back down to FCS. I don't, uh, yeah, what? You're not getting in a conference. ESPN has abandoned you because that was the push. Last time the Big 12 was expanding, UConn was in the discussion because ESPN wanted UConn in because that's their local school, so to speak, in Connecticut. How would the Big 12 be if they had involved UConn and tied to the ESPN? That's interesting to think about now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Fitz, you... I want to say real quick, you talked yeah. about Arkansas and Vanderbilt with money, and I totally, totally agree with you. But let's ask Texas. I mean, they're going to go to the SEC and get their butts kicked. And I, they, I think they know Texas, that, but they're going to make more money. You know I what I mean? I think Texas is an outlier. Okay. I, I do, just because if you talk to your average Texas fan, they've won 12 straight Big 12 titles. <laughs> Texas is Texas. Yeah. They, they, believe, they believe that every year they will be back. They and the polls believe that too. <laughs> I, I can't explain Texas. Perpetual hope. Uh, just and it's not hope based on anything tangible other than the fact that we're rich and we got a lot of money at Texas, so we're going to be good. I mean, that's basically all it is. They're like Nebraska, but burn orange. Right. <laughs> I, I, Texas is something altogether different mm-hmm. because their arrogance will fuel them through the end of time. Have fun, SEC. Have fun. Excuse us while we laugh at you. We try to warn you about Texas A&M. You got a dose of that when they leak the information. Wait until you get Texas and Texas A&M. Have fun with it. <laughs> what are the odds K-State ends up in the AAC? None. None. The AAC will end up in the Big 12. <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. The Big 12 is a brand. I mean, the big six, the big seven, the big eight, the big 12. We're talking 100 years of history. You're going to throw that away to be in the AAC, which is confused with the ACC. Doesn't make sense. The only way K-State ends up in the AAC is if Ted Lasso comes back from Richmond FC to coach Wichita State's football team. And I don't even know how that happens. I don't. That's that's a valid point, Cole. It's very valid. Yeah, I don't see it. I think... I think we're going to end up with four or more AAC members in the Big 12. This, that's the strangest calculation here about this whole thing. If they were really trying to have the American take over the Big 12, how would anyone at ESPN ever think that would work? Oh, yeah, we'll do it. Sure. We'll take two men a year and broadcast. What the? <laughs> f- uh, it's weird. Yeah. That's the thing. That's kind of what, if you're going to make $2 million going to the AAC, that kind of brings up my question of staying independent. Surely you can go find more money than $2 million a year going independent, mm-hmm. selling your own rights. 
So I'm not saying you're going to make 20 million, but I'm saying you're going to make more than two. Yeah. So last one. What are the odds? I hope this never happens. What are the odds K-State ends up somewhere even worse than the American? That that would be the Mountain West, I assume. If, I thought it would be the Canadian. The Sun Belt. <laughs> the American. The Sun Belt. The Canadian. I, I don't see it. Um, I'm just going to say it. If Kansas State ended up the Mountain West, it would hurt your pride. But damn, the fans would have fun. I mean, they would. Think about the places you get to go as fans. Colorado twice. <laughs> Wyoming. I don't know if that's fun, but Wyoming. But it's drivable. That is drivable. I mean, Vegas, San Diego. Boise. Boise. I mean, they would be fun road trips. Now, it would hurt the ego. It hurt the finances. But once fans acclimated, if you became the – let's just take it from this standpoint. Financially, TCU's better off being in the Big 12. No doubt about it. But TCU at 7-5 and five compared to Mountain West TCU at 11-1 and one or 12-0, and oh, what do you think the fan base prefers? I mean, probably being in the Big 12 with the Texas schools, but 11-1 and one and 12-0 and oh are pretty damn fun. And a Fiesta Bowl every year. And the belief that even though you probably have the equivalent talent then as now, but at 11-1 and one or 12-0, and 0, you believe you can beat Oklahoma. You know you can beat Oklahoma. But now, maybe not. With the 12-team playoff, you might get your chance. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by it all, but I think at the end of the day, the Big 12 will survive. And the only reason it won't survive is because it'll commit suicide out of neglect. It will just die on the vine because nobody worked to save it. And I don't even think you have to work hard to save it right now. You have to be dynamic and forceful and have a vision and go out and share that vision. Why would teams want to leave the American or Mountain West? Money. Statute. Your stature would go up so much. I don't know. I... I I'm fascinated by this. I'm concerned about it. But I do believe, folks, at the end of the day, despite all the monkeys out there, all those eight teams aren't going to end up anywhere. The Big 12's done. People don't know Jack. They don't know squat. And that includes a lot of sports journalists. They really don't know how it works. They're just little dorks who got jobs in sports and now think they they can see the future. I, I don't I don't think they're right. I think the Big Twelve will be fine. Just go win football games. If Iowa State is in the playoffs this year, how do you sit there and say, "Well, Iowa State's good enough to be in a fourteen playoff, but you're probably not going to be Power Five moving forward." How does that work? Doesn't make sense to me. Go get Cincinnati. Just go do it. Go get Central Florida. Just do those two for now. Get to 12, and then when the other two schools leave, bring in two other schools. Just go do it. And bring in UNOV. I want to go. (laughs) 
That's it for the PowerCat Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you stop into the fridge and Tanner's and the Hilo whenever you come to town. Make sure you come to town. Show up. Be loud. Be proud. K-State needs you. Boy, K-State needs to win some games. Let's go. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.